0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com.
1: They haven't won a World Series in a century or so? So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. A 105 or a 7 5, there is a game.
0: If it gets rained out, guess what?
2: They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that?
0: It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist.
3: Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic.
0: Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs' first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what about something like that. You better. You want to make this team. Connecting with you, the baseball fan. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! Hit and run on Sports Radio 670 The Score, score 670thescore.com, and the Radio.com
1: app. Well, we made it. We made it all the way through the 2019 baseball season, and the producers of This Week in Baseball have never even gotten in touch, nor filed what I thought was the inevitable lawsuit. As we use the This Week in Baseball intro music to start the show and the This Week in Baseball closing music to end the show. We made it! I think that means that we can keep it next year if uh, this iteration of Hit and Run returns. Good morning, baseball people. It is Sunday, the 28th? No, 29th 29th. of September. Thank you you so much. And it's the final Sunday of the baseball season. There are a few things left to be decided today around the league. Principally, who's going to win the National League Central? The Milwaukee Brewers have had two nights to capitalize and catch the Cardinals. They have not. And whoever loses that division will end up playing the Nationals in the wildcard game. There are personal things to decide all across the league. Can Tim Anderson hold on to his eight-point lead in the batting race? Um, that is uh, something to pay attention to. Garrett Cole goes today. Can he outpitch Justin Verlander from yesterday and step ahead in the Cy Young race as they will undoubtedly be one, two in the Cy Young. There's a bunch of stuff to watch. Bruce Bochy manages his final game for the San Francisco Giants at home against the Dodgers with Madison Bumgarner on the mound. That's pretty cool and symbolic. But most of the eyes around the baseball world, most of the ears in Chicago are perhaps tuned here and paying attention to St. Louis, where we do not have official resolution yet on whether today is the final day of Joe Madden's managerial regime for the Chicago Cubs. I think we all expect it is. There was a late night summit last night. I don't know where. Boy, all that media chasing down. And all of us who have phone numbers of some of these guys texting, checking in. Where'd you have beers? Did you have some absolute garbage St. Louis pizza to help uh, to help those beers go down? Joe Madden and Theo, were they in a hotel room, a hotel lounge? Um, thanks to uh, Patrick Mooney for pointing out his piece this morning. I had forgotten that Dale Swaim got fired by Theo Epstein at the Newport Bar and Grill just off Clark Street there, a place which no longer exists. So don't have the opportunity to do that home. Uh, You're in St. Louis. And this will not be a firing if it is indeed the end. Anyway, we don't have official word. If we do get official word of any kind out of St. Louis, we will bring it to you. Our man Bruce Levine is there live in St. Louis. The locker room opens at 1130. Joe Madden will speak to the media before the game, as he always does, unless he's not there. But I think he will be there. I think we all know how this is going to be presented, don't you? It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Lots to talk about. This is going to be presented, and rightfully so, as a wonderfully successful five-year relationship and a decision to part ways mutually here at the end. Joe, I believe, is going to be convinced, at least publicly, to back up what has been espoused before by Theo and others and me, that managerial relationships sometimes just have a timestamp on them. Sometimes it is simply appropriate to bring a new voice. And I believe that is the case. This is not a simple situation of Theo Epstein. Punishing a manager for his own misdeeds and forcing the manager to take the fall. I have seen that take. I've heard that take. It is not that simple. This is not a simple situation of Joe being built for a young team and having lost his effectiveness. And him being the difference between this team making the playoffs or not. Winning the division last year or not. I've seen that take. It's not that simple. But guess what? In this blame pie, there is a big old slice for everybody. There's a slice of blame available to the players themselves, of course. There is a large slice of blame available to the front office for the moves that they have made that have hamstrung the roster, that have hamstrung the bullpen, for the terrible drafting that I have documented between 2013 and 2017 specifically and how they've been passed by in terms of packing their farm system, in terms of developing their own players. And the reckoning is going to be them facing that about themselves. And Theo has pointed the thumb and will continue to do so. I'm telling you, you're going to hear that a lot from him, that we have to change, and he's right. So there's a big slice of, of blame pie for the front office. There is also a slice of blame pie for Joe Madden. There is. And we are capable of having a complex perspective on this and noting some things. And I want to do that with you during the course of of the show a little bit. Because a lot of managers effectiveness does indeed wane if they do not have another gear. If they do not have extra tools in their leadership toolbox to utilize as necessary. I'm going to take you back to the year and the time in which I believe the relationship began to erode. And I, I believe that the confidence in Joe began to erode and it is 2017. It is during the year of the world series hangover and just how long it took for the Cubs to emerge at brunch that year and play decent baseball. Took a long time. And at the same time, there was another hangover happening in Cleveland. Do you remember how bad the Cleveland Indians were similarly at the beginning of 2017? And then during the course of 2017, and this was pointed out to me by several, Terry Francona adjusted massively, hugely Terry Francona adjusted in Cleveland. He revamped how he did certain things. He restructured how the locker room ran. He created little, uh, little committees uh, within his players of how to deal with certain things. He basically aggressively set the communication systems ablaze in that clubhouse and made people on edge, made players accountable and woke them the F up. That's what Terry Francona did that year. And perhaps you remember, I think the Indians won, what, 23 games in a row in that, in that August? And yes, they lost in the playoffs and did not win, did not get back to the World Series. But the point is, that display of leadership adjustment immediately in the year following is something that Joe Madden did not show then, something that Joe Madden did not show two years ago, and it's something that Joe Madden did show a bit this year on demand, on very clear demand. He did change a little bit, did some things differently by his own admission. He feels like he learned from them, he grew from them because he was asked to change because his default had stopped working. Now, as I say, there's blame for everyone. But you have watched this team and you have seen the worst base running team in baseball making the most outs on the bases of anybody. You've seen one of the worst defenses in baseball. You have seen a team asked to play with urgency to play as if March was November from the get go and it completely backfired. They did not play with an edge. They did not play with urgency. These are leadership issues. And it's not only Joe responsible for the leadership. It is the players and the veterans, and Joe has allowed the veterans to run that room. The veteran mix and the player mix is not right. It's not right in terms of personalities. It hasn't been right for a while. And when it's not right, it's the manager who has to adjust, the coaching staff who has to adjust. This is why the front office has changed coaches over and over and over again. Some of it, of course, is specific hitting issues, but a lot of it is trying to find the right personality mix so that room has an edge of accountability to it. So those players show up knowing they better give their best or else their butts will find the bench. And this has not been the demeanor of these ballplayers. It has not. Joe is a terrific, legendary manager who will be a legend in this town forever and should be. I think Joe will end up in the Hall of Fame, and I think he should. But sometimes, sometimes if the player mix isn't correct with what you need in terms of leadership, it is up to the manager to adjust. He was asked to do so on demand, and it didn't really work. It's time. It is time. So all these things can be true, folks. This does not absolve the front office, nor does Theo Epstein think it absolves the front office. It does not absolve the players from not improving on some level or bringing their best on some level or adjusting and being selfless situationally on some level. It does not, does not absolve anyone, but you learn, you learn and you grow and you evolve as a leader. And I think a little bit more was necessary from Joe over these last three years. And I say that I say that. And a lot of you do know this and remember this. I I used to talk to Joe every week as the midday host here and absolutely loved those conversations. I've gotten to know him off the air. Absolutely loved the conversations. I have learned a ton about baseball from him. I, I respect him incredibly highly as a baseball guy And those have been some of the greatest conversations of my professional life, is to talk baseball with him weekly. This is all true. But this team needs something. This team needs something. And they're going to try and do it with the manager. They're also going to try and do it by trading some people, by shaking up the mix, by bringing in different guys, different kinds of players, and different kinds of personalities. They've done some of that over the past few years. Last year, they didn't really do any of it. And that's because the other slice of blame pie that we have not mentioned goes to uh, ownership for not allowing even more money to be spent right here in the middle of a window. Are you a big city behemoth or not? I know you say you don't have any money. They said they didn't have any money. But look, ownership often finds a way. To come up with more, they they found a way during the course of the year to come up with the Kimbrel money once the Zobrist money had gone away. But last off season, it sure looked like baseball operations thought they were going to have more money to work with than they ended up being allowed to work with. So you get a slice of pie, you get a slice of blame pie, you get a slice of blame pie. Everyone can share. And I think this will be the end of Joe's regime, and I think it's time. And I also think he was brilliant and forever changed um, the expectations, was part of the expectation change in this town. And there are comments from him over the past couple days which are fascinating, and we will bring you along the way, uh, where he began to defend himself openly, began to talk about the record and what he has done. And Joe will speak again. Uh, I assume that we'll have clarity on the situation before the game today. And uh, if not, it'll be after the game today. But I think everyone at this point will be surprised if there is more to the Joe Madden era. But remember, this will be presented, and rightfully so, as the understandable end of a very successful five-year relationship. Let's open the phone lines and talk to you right now at 312-644-6767. You can text me at 67011. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spiegel 670. And we have time to talk to you, uh, Cub fans, about the Joe Madden era. But I'm also going to open it up, oh, really open up the whole show to you, the callers, to you, the texters and interactors, to talk about this season, things that we have learned about the White Sox and the Cubs. And that is going to be a running theme for this entire show. I want to know, and I have mine, that's for sure, but I want to know what you... What you think is the biggest lesson you have learned from this White Sox season about them or about the game as a whole. I want to know what you feel is the biggest lesson you have learned from the Cubs season about them, about the organization or about the game as a whole because this game what i love about it what so many love about it is we are always learning there is always stuff to pick up joe madden talks about growing over these past couple of days he feels like he has grown from this year theo talks about learning the smartest guys in the game talk about learning constantly growing evolving And picking up more. I want to know what you have learned. The biggest lesson you've learned from this White Sox season about them or about the game. And the biggest lesson you've learned from the Cubs season about them or about the game. I've got a few. Also along the way, we're going to be playing you some snippets from uh, some of the guest co-hosts that we have had this year. It's been a really fun year with a wide array of baseball humans as guest co-hosts here from all across the board. Different facets of the game and I've got some snippets I want to play for you to highlight some of those weeks in the past and some of those things that are applicable to the, the, the news of the day, to the conversation of the day. So you'll be hearing some of that along the way. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It is hit and run. The Bears and the Vikings today. If you're out there going, where's my football talk? It comes at noon with Hub Arkish and Olin Krutz, and Patrick Manley, and guess what? There's a fourth person on that show today. Do you know who it is? This dude, man. A legendary, legendarily brilliant safety for the Bears. They spent the rest of the Lovey Smith era looking for the next Mike Brown. We've got the real Mike Brown on the score today at noon, along with his buddy Patrick Manley, and Olin Krutz, and Hub Arkish. That should be terrific. Until then, it's baseball conversation. Mostly you guys and me, between now and noon. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 The
0: Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
1: Welcome back in on 670 to score. It is hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel, and you, the score listeners, the baseball fans, the people, right here. Talking about the uh, situation, where the Cubs are, where the contracts are, where the roster construction is, and how everyone plays a role here. This is not a simple manager-must-go to absolve front office of blame, they have blame. They receive blame. They know they have screwed up some things, and we'll work on it. And I have detailed those here. It's interesting. Some of the texts that have come in at six seventy eleven. Here's one. All of these changes continue to send one message to the players: quote, "It's not your fault." Unquote. All right. I appreciate the goodwill hunting reference, anyway. Um, if, even if it's not. But th- that. Let's think about that message to the players. Um, You, sir, have a point. You do. That these players have been allowed over the past few years. uh, They've been allowed to run the show. Joe Madden lets them run the show. Theo Epstein lets them largely run the show. Um, Chili Davis came, was disliked, and left. Was sent away. Coaches come, coaches go. And... All the while the players and this is really true throughout the game and throughout a lot of sports, isn't it? The players get enabled, the players uh, are 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 given everything that they can possibly be given. they are um, also the facilities give them everything that they could possibly want with this incredibly beautiful clubhouse and the 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 party room and the music room and the and and, and the dietary uh it just it delights that they have and the massages and every, everything they're given everything. And this is the way of, uh, of the world and the way of sports. I get it. To balance that, to balance that, to the texture's point, you need them to be accountable to leadership, accountable to somebody. And ideally, that accountability comes from within the roster itself. And when it doesn't, you have to get it from the manager. The thing about certain veterans when they uh, are aggressive and yet likable and communicative and fun, but also get in your face, those kind of special personalities, man, those guys are gold. In baseball, those guys are gold. And David Ross was gold as a clubhouse personality, as a person in that mix. And they've been trying to find it. In myriad ways since then. And, and I, I believe, I believe that they're going to try and find it in David Ross as manager. And it, if it's not him, it will certainly be somebody with that aggressive accountability gear, that likable uh, but demanding personality. That is 100% the profile of who you will see as the next manager. Somebody who has an inherent likability but is demanding as all hell. And guess what? If likability has to be spared, okay, fine. Lean towards the the demanding accountability. That's going to be the profile. And folks, understandably so. Let's go to the phone lines. Alan is in Antioch on 670 The Score. Good morning, Alan. Welcome into Hit and Run. How are you?
2: Good morning. Thank you very much. So I'm just making the comparison about um, Joe Maddon really reminds me kind of like Dusty Baker in a way where he's a really good coach when you surround him with exceptional talent as far as managing that talent and putting them in great positions to succeed. When it comes to younger people that have difficulties, I don't think he really knows how to approach that. I don't think that's really his M.O., So that's a little similarity there. I've kind of noticed over the years, he kind of seems to me with his body language, almost like he's not having fun anymore and he kind of doesn't want to be there, almost like actions speak louder than words. That's a lot of,
1: that's a lot of inference on your part. That is a lot of, you're, you're reading a lot uh, from in there. You think it's a lot, it's a long year, but it hasn't looked to me like he doesn't want to be there. It's never looked that way.
2: Well, I mean, I I kind of noticed at the beginning, you know, there were petting farms and pajamas and now it's all about restaurants and commercials and stuff like that um which you know could be right or wrong but i just it, it's i don't see the inner joy in his soul like i used to and i think just <laughs> i i th- and i think would be a perfect situation mate even though it might not happen is that i think based on what their strengths are as managers i think it might be best for maybe for the cubs to basically th- keep darvish and hayward because of the money situation keep buys and contreras along with hendricks trade everyone else blow it up again let's get ready for a 2024 25 championship no
1: No, you're not going to do that. The trades and roster reconstruction and the moves are going to be made with an eye towards winning immediately. And they should be. And frankly, some of these moves should have been, should have happened last off season. We all know that. I've said that they're, they're a year late in doing some of that aggressive stuff roster wise. No, you're not, you're not blowing stuff up and, 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 and starting again and going backwards. Um, Not not with some of the guys that you have right now. There's a lot there. Uh, We don't have to respond to everything. I certainly appreciate uh, the phone call and the thought. It's interesting that you feel like you could look deep within the soul of Joe Madden as you've watched him manage uh, from afar. I don't I don't believe that is the case. I don't believe you can look within the soul. (laughs) But uh, I understand the instinct. This is Tom in Villa Park on the screen. Good
3: morning, man. God bless you.
1: Thanks, brother. How are you? Good morning.
3: I'm doing fine. God bless Alan that uh, he has those Um I'd just like to say I'm a proud owner of a Joe Madden jersey.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Um, I, I, don't, I don't have a Theo jersey, but I agree with Joe that the front office is brilliant. They were they were brilliant enough to go get him off a beach and make him the manager, which might have been their best move ever. Hmm. And to, to the naysayers of Joe Madden, who I always bring up, he almost lost. World Series for us, I just pray that the Bears almost lose the world the Super Bowl this year <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's always going to be a massive part of the the storyline of Joe, because it incredibly so, and i think I think this is true, incredibly so, a manager won the World Series and lost a bit in terms of his reputation and public respect think about that that's what happened in this town and you remember those conversations with people that off season maybe you remember the convention after that but think about that the man won the world series but if anything his overall respect level in this in this town lowered just a bit because that that game man i can't even I can't even watch it. my wife likes to watch it again from time to time. she um we watched it once, I guess last year, I don't know, and I just started to get so angry <laughs> because I remembered I mean all the feelings, everything comes flooding back. I remember sitting there in the auxiliary press box down the right field line, watching John Lester warm up for what felt like an hour and a half. I mean, eventually Lester's just like very slowly. Throwing the ball, looping it up in the air to Ross in the bullpen. Oh, God. (laughs) And then Lester coming in in the middle of a dirty inning. Kyle Hendricks, after he had completely settled down, not getting a call on strike three, and that being when he decided. to Look, yes, I, I could go down that way. All the overuse of Chapman. Chapman still being in there when he couldn't even throw a fastball. You remember that? He threw nothing but sliders in the inning after he'd given up the Roger Davis home run. All that stuff. There was so much. It just, oh my God. I can't even watch it. But yeah, they won the World Series. You remember what Theo Epstein said at that uh, at, at that Cubs convention? I don't know if we can find it, Adam Stodzinski. I've looked for it before. It's, it was so telling. It was Theo at that Cubs convention and he was asked... Um, What you were thinking, Theo, what were you thinking as you were there in the stands uh, during Game 7 watching that? And Theo's answer was, I have my entire career been a man who bases my reaction on process and not results. And I think in this case, I'll go ahead and base my reaction on results and not process. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> that was delicate. It got a big old laugh, but if you speak theoese, you speak baseball, folks. Yeah, that was a it was a big deal. But yep, they did win the World Series. Absolutely did. And then it's been uh, it's been three years since, and something has been missing. And something's been missing on the roster. Something's been missing in the, in the front office. A lot has been missing in the farm system due to the scouting and the development. But, yeah, something's been missing in the clubhouse, too. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Northwestern Football at Ryan Field this fall when the Wildcats, led by Big Ten Coach of the Year Pat Fitzgerald, host Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota in Big Ten play. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. Let's go to Mike in the South Loop on 670, The Score. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hey, good morning. Question about Tim
3: Anderson's situation with the batting uh, title. What am I missing? He has only 496 at-bats, as we talked today, but he has to get to 502. One game left, he's not going to make it. What am I missing?
1: That it's plate appearances and not at-bats. That's what you're missing.
3: I got you. It's, okay. It, it's based on
1: plate appearances. If you've got the stats in front of you, look, for plate appearances, that includes walks, sacrifice flies, sacrifice bunts. He does only have 15 walks, but right there, that those don't count as at-bats, but they are plate appearances.
0: Gotcha. And
3: then my follow-up question, love to get your two cents on the direction of the White Sox. I, I know they keep talking rebuild here, and obviously that's what they're doing. But I'm just one that has never had faith in Rick Hahn or Jerry Reinsdorf to really spend the money on quality guys. Either they don't want to spend it or, in years past, you know, Hahn's missed it many times on the free agency market. I'd like to get your thoughts. How much do you really believe that this ball club will be competitive? And when I mean competitive – be in the hunt for a wild card or a division with seven to ten
0: games to go at the end of a regular season in the foreseeable future.
1: Mike, it's time. You deserve it. Sox fans deserve it. This is the aggression must happen. The success must happen in this offseason. They wanted to spend money last year. They just failed. They wanted Manny Machado. They just didn't get him because they drew an arbitrary line in the sand between $250 and $300 million. They didn't think anybody was going to give it to him, and somebody gave it to him. All right, well, anyway, here we are. You've moved on. Tim Anderson's been allowed to play short the whole year and has been tremendous. Uh, you have discovered a lot of things, and you should feel good about a lot of different components of this team, but you have work to do to fill out the depth, and you have work to do to, uh, to complete what, um, what could be a very good offensive lineup. You need on-base percentage. You need guys who walk. You need uh you need you need guys to get on base, uh atop your order or perhaps the bottom or just anywhere, somewhere. And you need to spend some money. And you need probably you need at least one top of the line starting pitcher, and you could argue two. But if Michael Kopek is there, if you've got Kopech, Cease, Giolito, Lopez, and Giolito is an ace, a flat-out ace, and you add Dallas Keuchel to that mix or Wade Miley to that mix, somebody like that, very interesting. I'd have no problem if they add another starter to the mix and take the heat off of guys like Cease and, uh, and Lopez to be um, necessary 30-start killers on a contending team. Could always move somebody to the pen. Could always make somebody a swing guy, especially when they're young and cheap like those people. So maybe they'll get two starting pitchers. But it is time. It is time. It's time for you to, uh, to get some aggression and some success in terms of free agency. And there may have to be a trade or two made uh, as well. I, this is the thing, man. The offseason for both of these teams is going to be fascinating. Inside the clubhouse, we'll be here for you every Saturday. Um, from 9 to 11 with Bruce and usually myself. And looking forward to that. Hit and run goes away, but we'll come back. And then I'll be around. I'll always be here. And the thing is, you this offseason, the White Sox and Cubs both have to nail it. They both have to nail it. And if they do both nail it, they both should be contenders again next year. And it should be an incredibly compelling regular season next year. 670, the score is where you are. 670 11 is the uh, number to text. Speaking of Tim Anderson, he has that eight point lead in the batting race. He has 15 walks. That is the fewest for a batting champion if he wins it. Since? Take a guess. Take a guess. Adam Stadzinski, what year do we have to go back to to find a batting champion with 15 walks or fewer? How far back?
3: I. Oh,
1: further, listen, I'm gonna say it for thirty years. Thur- further, fifty. Further, seventy. Further, a hundred. Further, no way. 1902, Napoleon Lajouet one of my favorite names ever. Nap Lajouet in 1902. Had fewer walks than that when he had, I think, 370-something to win the batting title. It's been 117 years since a batting champion has had as few walks as Tim Anderson's going to have. Back to the Theodore Roosevelt administration. Th- th- thank you very much. Did you look that up, to be sure? I did. I- that's who I thought it was, <laughs> but I wanted to be 100% sure. Well, yeah, McKinley got shot in, uh, in 1899, and then Teddy carried a big stick and spoke softly for a while after that. But that's not here. It's neither here nor there. But a hell of a year for Tim Anderson. Hell of a year. 670, the score is where you are. My man Chris Kamka has joined us all year long and will join us next for Camp Connection. statistical nuggets on the Cubs and the Sox. And uh, I I hope they're year-end kind of things, but I don't know. I do not direct the man. I let the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago do his job. Uh, No resolution, no clarity quite yet on Joe Madden. although I think we all know what it is, including him. And our man, Bruce Levine, is in St. Louis and will give us the very latest as soon as anything breaks. In the meantime, your conversation right here at 312 644 67 It's hit and run on
0: 670, the score. I cannot be um, more eager for the day than I am right now. Uh, Like I said, this year has been, I know we're, I mean, our record's not good
3: and we're not in the playoffs, but I really have had a blast. Uh, The guys that have been around, um, it's hard to feign
0: that. I really enjoyed this year and I've enjoyed, uh, my my guys every day, and, and I'll tell you another thing: the young coaching staff, this coaching staff here has got so much potential,
3: and I've had a really good time working with them. Also, great time actually, uh, both on and off the field.
1: That's Joe Madden, contemplative the other day before the game, as he has been the last couple of days. He said he's had uh, lots of meaningful, deep conversations with his players because they read, they know. We all read. We all know. Uh, supposedly last night, Joe Madden and Theo Epstein met for beers at a late night summit somewhere in St. Louis. And uh, the locker room opens in less than two hours there in St. Louis. Our man Bruce Levine is there. And as soon as anything breaks, if it does, we'll bring it to you. And if not, we will still bring Bruce to you and uh, talk about what's going on. And, and, and maybe we don't learn anything until 1130. We'll see. But you know what? I like learning stuff. I like learning stuff about baseball, there's always things to learn, and some people are better at teaching me things than others. And a guy who's great at it is the man Chris Kampka. I've enjoyed hearing the stereo MCs every week. Hell, even when Chris Kampka's been busy working a ball game on NBC Sports Chicago or traveling the world with his wife or whatever... I still will crank Get Yourself Cam Connected by the Stereo MCs just to feel good about my Sunday morning. But right now, Chris Campka joins us one final time on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. What's up, man?
3: What's going on? Yeah, when I hear that song, too, and I'm off, I, uh, I, you know, I have to – you know, rattle off a couple stats to my wife who doesn't care, and random customers in the supermarket, wherever I hear it, it's, I can't help it.
1: Hey, uh, uh, did you know that five different people have struck out two hundred men
3: while out? The... Sir, I, I'm yeah. just
1: I'm just trying to check out here in the express lane. Yeah. I'm not ah, interested. So you've been
3: there before, okay? <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's great to be on here, and uh, you know, I wish we could have had more baseball after today, but in Chicago at least. Yeah, in but, Chicago, uh,
1: but maybe maybe next year, man. Both of these off-seasons are going to be fascinating and uh you know, there's what these teams need statistically and in terms of the type of players is 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 kind of is kind of obvious, frankly, as we've been able to look at this year full of numbers.
3: Right, I mean, it's right there for you. And and yeah, easily either one of these two teams might be able to contend next year. You never know. I mean, the, the Cubs you know, they're maybe a player or two away from being right there. Maybe maybe if you play the season over again, maybe they go ahead and win 90-something games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's kind of like it's hard to figure it out. As for the White Sox, they're right on the verge. They're right on the verge. You can see some of these guys breaking out this year. You're going to add to them. You're going to hopefully have more health in the pitching next year. You never know.
1: It's uh it's true the White Sox in September lead the majors in batting average. They're second in on-base percentage and OPS in the month of September, man. And you you gave me the stat last week. They've they've uh, like these guys, all the important guys have had hits in most of the same games over the past few weeks. It's been in it's been very encouraging for the White Sox offense.
3: Absolutely. And as many games as they've played against the Tigers, it doesn't matter to me because It builds confidence, no matter who you're playing against. They're on the schedule, and you're succeeding. You're building confidence, and that's important. And, And it's major league pitching. You have to be good to hit major league pitching. They're doing it, and I'm really excited to see where they go.
1: I guess it is uh, I guess the Tigers do have major league pitching. Uh, I love that the Indians are 18 and one against the Tigers this year, and the Astros were 18 and one against Seattle. It's never happened before. it happened twice in this season in MLB, but that's
3: that's yeah, that 's
1: not why you called Chris Kampka. it's not why you called what you got for me, baby?
3: Okay, so we've got a team in this city that's one of two teams in the majors with five starters that make at least 25 starts. Um. They went from one start last year with 10 or more strikeouts to 11 this year. They've hit 89 more home runs than last year, setting a franchise record. They've got 11 players with 10 or more home runs. Hmm. And entering this month, they held a second wild card spot by three and a half games. Hmm. And they're going to finish this month with their best run differential in any month. It, unless they lose by 10 today. What? Um,
1: September's going to be their best run differential? Thank you, Pittsburgh Pirates weekend series.
3: It, well, that's basically why. But still, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It, as much of a downer as this month has been, that they've got a plus 32 run differential, which is nine run differential better than any other month they've had this year. Wow. Well, this so here is... Here we are. This, We're going to watch the playoffs on TV.
1: It, it's the noise of run differential. This is, uh, I, don't, I don't know the best way to, to say it, but this is a team who, who has scored 10 or more runs 21 times this year. They have scored one or fewer runs 21 times this year. Uh, the run differential is deceiving in this particular case.
3: Sure, sometimes it is. And I would say run differential is quirky. Um, but don't, I, and there's some people that are quick to see stuff like this and say it's meaningless. It's not it's a good gauge of how much talent you have. Yeah. Um. A lot of these one run losses and that kind of thing, those are bad bounces of the ball. Those those are, that's a lot of luck there. I'd say there's a lot more luck in losing close games than there is about blowing out your opponent, which is a much better indicator of how good your team really is, yeah. which is why I'm not going to get that down about their chances for next year. I, they've got the guys in place to, to club the ball and, and be excellent on offense, like we've seen it in the past. We've seen it in bunches this year. They're capable of doing it again.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's very interesting. Um, and so it is not the slamming shut of a window. They are uh, they're a few moves away, a little bit of reconstruction away, and I do believe an attitude adjustment away from uh, potentially having a much better season in two thousand twenty.
3: Yeah, I absolutely believe that. Hmm.
1: All right, what you got for the, uh, for the White Sox as we round out the year on Hit and Run here, Chris?
3: Just an appreciation of Tim Anderson's season and proof that good, solid seasons come in different shapes and sizes. Tim Anderson is going to be the third batting champion um, since 1908. I've looked at every batting champion from 1908 up until now. He's going to be the third one to finish his season with, well, he's on pace to, let's say, Um, as many three-hit games as walks. He has 15 three-hit games this year. He has 15 walks. And up until yesterday, he had 15 three-hit games and 13 walks, and he tied it up yesterday by walking twice in game two of the (laughs) doubleheader. But it's just an amazing achievement. And, yes, he doesn't walk a lot, and, yes, we all know that. Yes. But it just watching him this year know that he has some very special basketball talent and with with the speed he can he can get some quick infield singles, he's getting them in the gaps, he's got some home runs. There's talent there, it's undeniable. And there's definitely he's made strides, he's doing better against every type of pitch. I think that you know, there's some staying power here, and you can't just say you know, he's not not a good enough player because he doesn't walk because, well, if, right now he's got an on-base percentage over 350. And I don't think you're going to quibble about that.
1: Now, you want more walks and you'll and, and hopefully you'll get some. But uh, however you get to that on-base percentage up there, uh, that works. And right. And, and you know what I keep coming back to is how difficult it is to teach. The ability to make contact and spray the ball to all fields. It's very, yeah. very difficult to teach. And when you've got somebody who can do it, you know, then you can, I, I, I think that you can teach them to be a little bit more patient. I think you can teach them to acquire a little bit more power, especially in a juicy ball era. But that ability, and look look how rare it's getting around the league.
3: Right, and the thing is, and I'm glad you mentioned, he didn't have that many home runs. he got only 18 this year. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, encouraging about that is, he's doing it on the bat to ball skills. Because sooner or later, the home run ball is gonna. It's not going to continue. Major League Baseball is gonna say, "Hey, like this is this is ridiculous, and we have to get back to some little amount of normalcy here." Yeah. And if you take away. The crazy home run rates, well, what do you have? You'll need guys that are able to make solid contact and, and not just hit home runs to survive and thrive, and that's what Tim Anderson's doing. It's your big time. Yeah,
1: it's, it's good stuff. Hey, hey, Chris, before I let you go, I saw this the other day, and as we're talking about the juicy ball, do you know that the top five closers from last year in terms of saves – here are their ERAs in 2019: 4.91, and three point seven seven. The ball is juicy, and the likes of Kimbrel and others cannot get away with throwing ninety six, ninety seven over the heart of the plate anymore. You can't,
3: oh, right off, right off the top of my head. I'm I'm picturing Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrel, and Kenley Jansen giving up home run after another. That's them. That's what it I is. Mean,
1: right and that yeah. is and the ball so you know it it definitely affected those uh velocity first finishers in ball games i think there's no doubt yeah. about it
3: but those guys are still getting their strikeouts yes. and uh you know it's going to be live by it die by it and uh it's just the nature of the game now i think until until the ball goes back to normal it's got to happen
1: i think so all right, man. Chris, it's been a great year. Thank you so much for all your outstanding contributions. At C. Campka on Twitter and the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. And uh, appreciate you very much.
3: Yeah, thanks for allowing me to be part of the show. It's, it's been an honor. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Good. I'm glad. Thank you, buddy. That's Chris Kampka right there on 670 The Score. Yeah, that that fact courtesy of Andrew Simon from, um, from uh, MLB.com. Who focuses on StatCast stuff. The top five closers with, from last year with those terrible ERAs. Josh Hader gave up another one last night. He was one out from a save last night. One out from a tie in the National League Central. But no, Hader blew the save. Interesting times around baseball. I have all kinds of tidbits about uh, things going on around the league. Personal goals today. Amazing things that Cy Young Award winners uh, to be have done. Uh, All kinds of stuff to talk about with you. Uh, But let's talk some Cubs and some Joe Madden, among other things, with one of my favorite baseball guys to talk to in this town. Doug Glanville is next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score.